bravery is there in the way they played. And what about Peter O'Mahony? I just oh, thought a sensational performance. Yeah. Jack O'Donoghue and Hodnett, the three of them in the back row. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. The News Round on Off The Ball with Gillette for an effortless finish to your day. New Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. This is News Talk. You're welcome along. Wednesday evening's off the ball. It's Champions League evening and not just any old Champions League evening which means Kenny Cunningham has been dragged kicking and screaming into studio. All eyes on the Bernabeu. We have Champions Cup quarter final weekend up for discussion on Wednesday Night Rugby. Jerry Thornley and Fiona Hayes on the way after 8 o'clock. And then Ken Doherty is dropping by uh, to reflect on 7th Heaven for Ronnie O'Sullivan. Now level with Stephen Hendry and according to O'Sullivan himself very much gunning for world title number 8 to be out in his own already next year. 53106 the text number. We are at Off The Ball on Twitter. Kenny Cunningham, hello. Evening, Joe. You said to us a couple of weeks back, I'm only coming in for the big ones. <laughs> the big egos. <laughs> and here you are. This should be very good. We have Richie McCormack as well. Richie, you're there. Hello. Evening, gents. How are you? Very well. I was just uh, reading out a news report which caught my eye to Kenny there, Rich. And well, catch my eye, it did. Steve Hodge. Bloody oh, yeah. Steve Hodge. Nottingham Forest hero, <laughs> Steve Hodge. I'm reading here from... Nottingham, I'm sure, live, Kenny. I'm sure you're avid reader. So, uh, Nottingham Forest, Steve Hodge has just sold his match-worn Diego Maradona Hand of God shirt for over £7 million sterling at auction. Forest midfielder Hodge swapped shirts with Maradona after the 1986 World Cup quarterfinal clash between England and Argentina in Mexico and has owned it ever since. Although the item has spent the last 20 years on loan at the National Football Museum in Manchester. It wasn't at Shea Hodge. He was, you know, <laughs> smarter than that. Uh, so it seems they were expecting maybe four million, which was an initial offer, and things spiralled very quickly. Indeed, there was a report as well that a delegation from Argentine football flew over uh, begging for the shirt. We've had Diego Maradona Museum in Buenos Aires. What can we do to get this shirt? Hodge, not in so many words, said... Have you got seven million quid? <laughs> this is unbelievable. Have you heard the row about it though? Go on. The fa- the fa- Diego's family, um, when this story first appeared that the, the shirt was going to auction, uh, they said that actually no, that jersey while it was Maradona's and he did wear it in the game, it wasn't actually the one he wore while scoring uh, both the hand of God and that fantastic second goal against England in the quarterfinals because he changed jerseys according to the family at half time so the one that Hodge had was the one that Maradona apparently had worn throughout the first half but not while he scored both of those brilliant two goals in the second okay. so they were they were claiming that it, it was losing something of its value because it wasn't uh, on the man's shoulders yeah. when he Oh, hold on. I don't, I don't get this sorry Rich so he got the one he was wearing in the first half so did he get a half yeah. time uh, I don't it? think so I, th- I, th- I think he just he just reefed it out of his bag and said here you go uh, this is my jersey I was wearing okay. and Hodge didn't think out another I wouldn't mind only who flicked the ball onto the hand of God Hodge <laughs> <clears throat> was he shadowed was he shadowed him there the last 10 minutes of the game Hodge have we got any footage of the game where he was literally looking up at the, the clock and thinking, oh, I need to get in contact with this as soon as the whistle goes. I mean, I'm all over him <laughs> like a rash. You would do. Did you ever do that, Kenny? Tony Yaboa? I never, I never, float your boat? I, I never did, but I know, I know players who have done uh, oh, yeah? against some high-caliber opposition. Yeah, I, 
I do remember uh, clocking a few of the lads thinking, oh, come on, lads, here. <laughs> you know, you got right backs in the left wing position, 30 seconds to go, normal time. I feel like Back to the Future style, future Steve Hodge went back in time and said to young Steve Hodge, get that jersey. Seven million big ones. This is the most lucrative jersey swapping of all time. I, I think this is now the most expensive piece of memorabilia of all time. You know, it was, I mean, if Rich, if you would have said, have a, an estimate, that jersey's gone, you would have, you would be talking in the millions, wouldn't you? Mm. I, probably, oh, I probably would have guessed absolutely. three, four million, to be honest. Yeah. Especially since, he, especially since Maradona's no longer with us. I think that the fact that he's gone has only, like, it's like any great artist. You see their prices skyrocketing as soon as they're, they're in the grave. You know, Maradona's no different. There's anything attached to him now because it's, so rare and he's not with us anymore yeah. so any tangible artefact you have towards him is going to just skyrocket in price funny should say that Rich I'm just John prepared to leave this uh, little woolly hat here uh, if you, <laughs> <laughs> you want to leave on the top shelf there and just uh, let it brew for about 20-30 uh, yes. years who knows the things that had seen the things that had seen I suspect we've asked you about this before so we won't labour the point but what is your most prized jersey that you have who's your best I wouldn't I've never thought about it to be honest you get to mark all the best players attempt attempted to um, no I've never the, I've got my jerseys they're all just packed up in a just packed up in a laundry bag but I've no I've never really thought about it to be honest some noise I opened like I might have said before I opened it up the last couple of years for the first yeah, time in a long time you did say that yeah yeah just the, the different colours and the different yeah w- w- was visually was actually nice just to have a look at them kind of surprised me a bit when I opened it up yeah. you know what I mean but um, no, I, I I don't really think in those terms. I wouldn't. I couldn't really. The jerseys are there, but my caps are on top actually. Um, so I've had to pick one thing out. Um, there's a few caps there, Rich. We you, we used to get them once every year, as the opposed physical to caps. Yeah. Yeah, which I think yeah I think initially we we were, one or two of the lads were feeling a bit cheated not getting the, maybe the chaps every end. But I think actually. Uh, looking back on a retrospective I think it's actually a good thing in some respects you kind of cherish them a little bit more only having the one every year but um, I w- we were lucky to get um, uh, those of us kind of lucky enough to uh, uh, get like to the 50 caps we got a special um, it was like a gold cap usually they're green aren't they that kind of velvety green mm. beautiful with the gold tassel but this one was all the opposite almost was like a gold um, uh, cap kind of standalone it's beautiful and that was just sitting on top nice. so that that more than anything else kind of grabbed my attention but uh, no it wouldn't be yeah it wouldn't, wouldn't get overly you know wouldn't get overly sentimental on the, on the jerseys nice, nice to have I suppose and, and whatever but look I'll put this a different way is there anything we can auction off here <laughs> <laughs> with, the, with the purpose of what employing a cleaner to clean the studio once or twice that's, a, that's about all you'd make how about this give us the box leave me and Richie on eBay <laughs> we'll try work our magic we'll split it three ways yeah. you've, n- you've nothing lost there no, I'd never, I suppose I wouldn't be different to anybody else. I'd be very reluctant to... Uh, but Richie's right about the jerseys, uh, funny enough, Richie, because when you came in for to play the games, there'd be two jerseys out, generally a long sleeve and a short sleeve. And during yeah. the course of the, the game, a few of the lads, you'd kind of swap over, obviously conditions, lashing around, you take the... You put a second one on, like, you know what I mean? And things like that. So that did happen. You'd probably get your way through maybe a couple of jerseys, even if it was hot, you know, you'd swept through one or whatever. So you would get through a couple. So you would have a couple maybe after the game. Mm. And if somebody obviously asked you, somebody would say, look, a bit like your self-job, best of intentions, charity or whatever, you have to be a jersey to give away and maybe want to keep yourself. So we were lucky in that respect. Maybe you could give one away, but also get, uh, keep a jersey as well. So, you know, that considered, I probably still have quite a few of them. Yeah, nice. Well, you can have a little look through. Tell me if you see like a Ronaldo in there, <laughs> an Henri. You know? <laughs> well, the lads never swapped their jerseys, the Brazilian lads, did they? 
because that was one Is of the ga- oh well, that yeah. was one of the games when the lads were shuffling all over the pitch the last yeah. the last minute. But I did notice straight after the game the lads were getting custard pies all over the pitch off the Brazilian yeah. players. Clear that that big Nike agreement at the time, um, Rich. And I don't know whether it was some kind of agreement in terms of the jerseys were kept and auctioned or given or whatever. But there was like flat refusals, like lads were getting. Yeah, really? you were like, <laughs> "This Ireland number five is it obviously worth your Brazil number 10 Come on! <laughs> no, I read the script. I didn't embarrass myself. <laughs> I didn't embarrass myself by even walking up to anybody. Tom in Sutton, did you keep your captain's armband from the first day you captained Ireland, Kenny? No, uh, no, I don't. No, I wouldn't have thought so. To be honest, uh, Joe, those um, don't know if you again risk those armbands. They would a little, you know. They wouldn't have been kind of your um, Real Madrid old school type, you know, the lads coming, they strapped around the, you know what I mean? They really kind of stand that these things were just like, literally just like, you know, elastic, bang. (laughs) Didn't have a big C Uh, on it, no. Just a band, okay. No, so I wouldn't have, yeah, that type of thing, uh, yeah, I wouldn't have been, yeah, I wouldn't have kept those, just your jersey, I suppose, and the caps really, that'd be it. Fair enough. Was it a thing? Would you swap after every Premier League game? Premier League game? I never remember. No. Never remember swapping the... Jersey after a Premier League game. No, wouldn't yeah. even it. And would the club have said, stop swapping if somebody was? <laughs> it's I probably played for a few clubs. Yeah, that would have been a that would have been a consideration. But no, obviously they're getting the money in the modern game. But no, it didn't happen. It happens a lot more now, which obviously it's a bit cringe to to sit to to watch. To be honest with you, I can understand to a point. Maybe after the game, the tunnel are plenty of time in the dressing rooms after the game. Yeah. Lads are usually hang around, but to swap jerseys visually. I think it looks dreadful, particularly half time coming off the pitch. I mean, as a manager, I just I couldn't stand for it. Like players, yeah. you know, it just gives off the wrong kind of uh, uh, the message in terms of the mindset. Was it a thing in football where after a game you would pop in? Maybe not you necessarily, but people would be in and out of each other's dressing rooms. You know, you like various teams would pop in for a chat. You'd have lads in and out. You'd, you'd see uh, someone come in from the other team for a chat with someone else. It was all. I normal. thought you were building up to something here, Joe. No. I thought you were setting a trap for me when I, I popped into the uh, Chelsea dressing room once in the last stages of uh, my career. But, but did you? No, but hang on, no, hang no, that's hang on. no, no, hang no, 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 no. For I'm a gonna, word, gonna, who, who weren't you happy with? No, I'm going to move it on. But um, <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I don't remember that. It wasn't a thing. No, just like I said, maybe three quarters an hour after the players had showered, getting dressed, people are leaving. Maybe get next player or something walk into the dressing room that type of thing which was which was uh, okay. which was fair enough but um, I, w- I wouldn't know at the, at the moment but it seems to be that the game's changed isn't it it's different now isn't it Mick could you google what happened some controversial <laughs> Kenny Cunningham just google controversy Cunningham Chelsea Stamford Bridge don't worry we'll come we'll circle back to it we'll circle back to it <laughs> disappointed that you're there Joe you missed the opportunity <laughs> but not surprised you. the news round is brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day Richie uh, the one thing we were all checking was as Pep Guardiola overcomplicated things he hasn't really no it's all about the fullbacks for him today they're the only changes from that first leg last week which was a 4-3 victory of course for Manchester City over Real Madrid in the first leg of their Champions League semi-final so Liverpool going to discover their final opponents tonight City taking that lead to the Bernabeu uh, Real Madrid the team for them first uh, one major change at the back which sees Nacho come into the back four in place of David Alaba so their team lines up with Thibaut Courtois in goal a back four of Danny Carvajal Eder Militao Nacho and Fernand Mendy in midfield it's the returning Casemiro he's alongside 
alongside Tony Kroos and Luka Modric. Federico Valverde goes up into the front three in place of Rodrigo, and he's in that front three alongside Vinicius Jr. and Kareem Benzema. First City, Edgerson starts in goal. Kyle Walker back in the side at right back. The defensive partnership remains the same. That's Ruben Diaz and Aymeric Laporte. But Joao Cancelo comes in on the left in place of Alexander Zinchenko. In midfield then, uh, we've got an unchanged trio of Rodri, Bernardo Silva and Kevin De Bruyne. Riyad Mahrez, Phil Foden and Gabriel Jesus are up top and kickoff in the Spanish capital is at eight. I mean, this is just so beautifully poised. Massive fill up for City is that Walker's back. That was the problem area the last day out. And I don't know what Madrid are going to do about the midfield situation, but certainly the last day, Bernardo Silva, De Bruyne, Mahrez versus Tony Kroos, Luka Modric. Was Casemiro in there? No. no. That's the difference. That's the difference, yeah. 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 Well, I thought he made a mistake. Ancelotti, I'm a huge fan of Ancelotti, but I was really surprised Camavinga didn't play in the in the fourth leg uh, ahead of Casemiro. He's dropped Cruz in there and brought Valverde into like a, a narrow three. Mm. I just felt that lad, from what I've seen of him play, he hasn't played regularly at Real Madrid, but he's a real talent, this kid. He's a high-energy player, box-to-box. He's got a bit of everything. Yeah. He's only 19, isn't he? Yeah, he's only 19. Yeah, he's been playing at a young age at Real, wasn't he? I think even Klopp... Uh, uh, w- was linked with him in, in, in the last year but they didn't jump and I think mm. might prove to be a mistake looks to be a top class player anyway not to he, disagree with your point he absolutely when the foul happened and Bernardo Silva was on the ball thought oh well that's a free yeah of course yeah yeah but yeah, <laughs> no yeah a little bit of lack of experience in that respect but I just thought his kind of physicality and his energy was yeah. bad for the reasons that you're saying yeah. Tony Cruz in that holding midfield position where against a team like Manchester how good they are in that central midfield area how forward thinking and you know De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva to have Tony Cruz in there is not really a naturally defence minded play he's not the quickest over the ground I thought no. it was a real was a gamble it didn't, it didn't pay off for them he spent most of his time Cruz with De Bruyne Modric was hanging around uh, Rodri a good bit so it was Cruz versus De Bruyne obviously there was interplay yeah, the, and switching yeah, yeah De Bruyne doesn't make it easy he's clever no. doesn't he starts drifting onto the wings if you're a number six you don't want to be getting drawn out into those those wide areas I just, and apart from that I just don't feel as if he's got that defensive mindset you've got to understand the position you've got to get a read situation as well sense, uh, sense danger drop in between your centre halves go and press the ball drop off cover space all those basic things which naturally holding centre midfielders can see it they've been brought up they've been coached Cruz is never that he can play from deep but in possession he's at his best from a deep line midfield mm. position where he can get on the ball and dictate long range of pass and keep the ball moving but yeah you just feel as if he wants to play his own, play his own pace these days Cruz doesn't he and, live, and when you see he quicken the ball you know get their legs running get players ahead of the ball mm. it's all a bit of a tiz around them like so yeah they certainly had the advantage uh, seat in that area of the pitch but it's interesting the, uh, the changes there City full back that's really important because they had a real problem at right back again in the first leg and I actually thought they got out with jail a bit Vinicius who I like a bit of a up, up and down I wasn't overly impressed with him he had a great um, goal on the evening but apart from that he wasn't at his best and his combination play with Benzema their link up play has been absolutely huge yeah. for Real Madrid particularly in the latter stages of the competition so they got away with one there now Cancelo's back in uh, tonight and Walker in particular for me is absolutely key because his kind of speed his recovery speed against Vinicius is going to be important but the biggest change for me in both teams Nacho that's an absolute hammer blow uh, for Real Madrid. Alaba out. Oh, Alaba out. But this fella coming in, this lad, I just you just don't know what you're going to get. Thought he was all over the place against. I think it was the game against uh, Chelsea at the Bernabeu. He's just like a little bit kind of headless, headless chicken. Just you know, tunnel vision, blinkered approach, chasing all around, uh, all over the place, getting dragged out of position easily. 
and Guardiola will be looking at thinking right we can really affect him we can drag him into midfield create spaces in behind get our wingers driving on the inside he'll really send some real opportunities in and around and that's you at centre half uh, uh, tonight providing he doesn't change things and that was the good thing about the first leg um, I would have been critical of Guardiola previously Rich about just overcomplicating it in terms of his front three I remember Jesus playing in a big game at the Bernabeu a few years ago and everybody's suspecting what he's going to play at number nine he played him left of a three on the evening well the, where the first leg I thought he got it perfectly right play Jesus down the middle he's our natural centre forward play him in his right position play our best uh, right sided player for me is Mares and Phil Foden who's outstanding in a number of positions but he's very comfortable on his left side left of a three so for me the balance was absolutely perfect and that cut those front three positions De Bruyne and the Silva as well that bit of a defensive presence in Rodri I wouldn't be as great as fan in terms of the defensive qualities but you can trust him generally speaking to sit there and hold the centre of the pitch so I thought the balance was perfect and he didn't you know, it's a bit of a cliche but for me he didn't overcomplicate it yeah. Guardiola kept it simple and they looked better uh, as a result it's going to be a fun watch sounds um, briefly like everything's pointing towards Man City except this is Real Madrid yeah well I, well, I put it yeah clearly I put it in uh, I lean towards City now like I said just with that Nacho Nacho coming in the centre half I think could be really uh, significant so yeah I give City distinct advantage now Rich Jurgen Klopp yeah the Liverpool manager says the halftime introduction of Luis Diaz was not the sole reason for their overcoming Villarreal last night first half goals from Boulay Diaz and Francis Coquelin put the hosts 2-0 up on the night and levelled the tie but Liverpool flew out of the traps in the second half with Fabinho Diaz and Sadio Mane all scoring to secure a 5-2 aggregate win and Klopp was asked about his halftime team talk last night so there were so many problems. It's not. It's not if I can explain it now. But you saw them as well, and you saw the second half. So, it, but the difference was what I was talking about in half time. It was pretty much one-one. What we said in half time that we have just to 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 start doing what we want to do in the first place and don't play in their cards because they play man marking um, and were really on us um, and in that moment you maybe remember first pass through the half space Navigator could turn then Sadio if they pass the ball there all of a sudden they had the problems we had in the first half so we turned and were running with four or five players um, towards their last line so that were the situations we expected to have already in the first half it was clear that they go for us but if you press like them then you open up other spaces. So it was clear we win one one situations in that moment we are we are we have an advantage. So these that's it's how it is. But it's more than that you can really get yourself in that mood to do that because if you if the first shot is a goal for yourself, then you all start flying in that moment. If you concede a goal, it's very often exactly the opposite. And that's what happened to us. So we had to force ourselves back in the game, but the boys did that. Thoughts, Kenny? Yeah, yeah, a little bit difficult following that. It's just a bit of a language thing there in, in terms of exactly how we was kind of uh, breaking it down. I think just simply put, Liverpool weren't quite at the first half. Give Villarreal a bit of credit up the intensity levels, got the uh, crowd involved. Didn't really surprise me. I've been surprised if they hadn't have uh, in that first half and just kind of disrupted Liverpool a little bit. I think they felt as if they needed to just get under the skin of some, some of their Liverpool players. You saw a little bit of a Lacelso in Cockland throwing themselves to the ground, and and they got themselves in a good position two 0 But I'll be honest with you, I wasn't I wasn't actually worried for Liverpool leaving it two 0 I just felt as if you know they just need to uh, get a little bit of clarity, say, kind of second half, 
back to basics a little bit. I think that's what Klopp was saying in terms of better care with your pass. And those first two passes when they go and press you, take a little bit better care with your pass, a bit more intensity in terms of the press, the press, etc., etc., and just stay calm. I thought Villarreal's only chance was at two 0 and the game was you could say was in the balance. Like I said, I wasn't particularly worried, but you felt maybe a red card yeah. at that time. You know, you just sense maybe something might happen. There might be a reaction, a flying arm, something that you know they were cocklam. You know, was was exaggerating every kind of contact at two near Liverpool lose a player then maybe you're in serious yeah. trouble but didn't surprise me when they kind of found that bit of assurance to their play second half they kind of went away from them No, Kenny Cunningham with us all evening Ken Doherty's on the way this hour Kenny Dennis Wise I see I missed the boat there it's too late we're not going back to that you follow Dennis Wise into the Chelsea dressing room all hell broke loose. Yeah, it's Jersey. Yeah, it's, it's a Jersey swap. Just like just Gianluca like Vialli ended up with a black eye. <laughs> Not for me, didn't. <laughs> was no, John Hartson in after you? John Hartson was in there behind me. John and then Mickey Harford, Mick Harford had me back, to be fair. So, good God. I wasn't that brave. <laughs> I wasn't that brave, Rich. <laughs> good God. That's I, like I, bringing I, the twin I, terrors in with you. Yeah, I checked Jesus. to see who, who my uh, wingmen were before I uh, headed in the door. You rolled up your sleeves then, yeah. did you? And I, wasn't, I was heading after the smallest player in the Chelsea dressing room, to be fair. Let's be honest. Dennis. <laughs> Dennis Wise. Oh, dear. I'm, I'm uh, reading here about this incident. Was it so wedged that nobody could throw a proper punch? It was quite funny to be honest with you. Yeah, it was in the end. It was like a bit of a comedy sketch because the, the 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 corridor into there. You open the door to go into the dressing room, and by the time you reach the dressing room, I'd say it was about maybe ten foot, fifteen foot long the corridor, but literally only about what are we talking? Four foot wide. John Hart. <laughs> so you get about six. There was more than there was more than three or four people in there. It must have been about maybe sixteen, twenty uh, <laughs> players at the end of it. But literally nobody, nobody could nobody could swing. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of it um, um, uh, apart from the the headbutt which landed on uh, Gianluca Vialli's uh, cheekbone but, yeah, I think he did an interview after the game I think there's an interview after the game and he's, he's got a bit of a he's got a bit of a shiner on his uh, on his face like but so you improvise and threw the headbutt <laughs> I know that wouldn't have been that would have been that's not your, style. You, not your style nah, to be honest with you I'm a bit embarrassed about it by the whole thing it was a bit embarrassing like, but it's just in the moment one of those things we were struggling it was a big game for us and mm. like flame relegation we got our head, we got our noses in front looks like we're going to take something conceded late goals you know you know Dennis would have been one you know you know no I don't well he was wind up merchant well, he had plenty of vocals uh, uh, on the pitch as well so all of that's all of that's bubbling isn't it when you're heading off the pitch all of those things are going around in your in your head so yeah you walk in and saw Dennis up the tunnel is that basically what happened <laughs> ah, that's it. I don't need to go into any more detail but like I said it was a little bit out of care generally something which wouldn't have affected me but that particular day it was kind of head was spinning yeah there was a few things going on a few things said so that was it yeah. would you ever use verbals like Thierry you're nothing no you're no, no you're no, nothing no. Thierry no no well that that would have been stupid <laughs> <laughs> no it wasn't that stupid it would have been it would have been the opposite actually if anything no I never got involved in too much of the uh uh, with the variables in all honesty felt mm. uh, maybe a little bit of a sign of weakness from my point if I did I always felt as if if I kind of you know kept away from that type of thing probably sent a better message like you know what I mean in terms of opposition players they felt as if they could get you know if you, if you bit a little bit and give a bit back then yeah. you were kind of playing their game a little bit so yeah I always would have kind of uh, stayed away from that type of thing so if so, someone has a nibble at you impassive 
yeah, I, yeah, and I wouldn't have maybe ignored him, but wouldn't have got involved. Would have got the opposite, maybe, you know, crack, crack the joke or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? But wouldn't have, wouldn't have, wouldn't have, have to give that impression, right? He's got under my skin here. I've got mm. him where I want him type thing. There was a few of those around. Bellamy was probably one of probably the worst of them. Constant, constant talk for the. <laughs> for the <laughs> <laughs> he really. I found him quite funny. He was a lovely player. To be honest, he was a fantastic. Wasn't player. he just? Oh, a little, little bit underrated. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Injuries as well, uh, kind of uh, uh, held him back. But his top cl- oof, when, when at his best. Yeah. yeah, really good player, but he was constant. Did you like playing a high line against Bellamy? You did. <laughs> well, the problem in those days, we had keepers like wouldn't leave their six-yard box, let alone <laughs> their, their eighteen-yard box. So we, if we had a few of the sweeper keepers back then, may, maybe uh, I'd be more inclined to keep that high line. But no, it was always the case. Of maybe if in doubt, drop, drop it. Drop. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Joe. <laughs> let him have it to his feet that recovering midfielder I was lucky well playing for Oren I was very lucky the likes of uh, yeah. Roy, Roy do that job for you Mark Kinslin and Matt and all of them all you had to worry about was the ball in behind anything in front they'd be kind of ratting off the front so yeah. I got spoiled there a little so what's the flavour of Bellamy talk ah no I, just, I, I wouldn't I, I, I couldn't remember no literally no it would be the case of how, how bad are you <laughs> <laughs> How are you earning a living? How are you earning a living from this game? We belong those lines. He wasn't even being rhetorical. That's the, that's the way he was. Even back then, it would have been very, you know, the old. It's a, it's cringeful now. I would never got involved. No, they, yeah, how much? Sorry, how much? You, what, what? <laughs> it was the big money thing then, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? Back yeah. then, but he would have been. He would have been like, I didn't realize how bad you were. I knew you were bad, <laughs> but I didn't realize how bad, how bad you were. <laughs> Which I actually I found quite funny. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd laugh at that. I'd be like, you know, you're right. You know, I'm, I'm worse. I'm worse than you think. And he'd have a bit of a smile back. I'd say he, he might. He might now, but he, he might do. To be honest with you, he might. But that was his. That was his thing. I think he probably used it himself or something. He he may be needed to get the best out of himself in some respects. Like you know what I mean. But it was funny to watch him at this. I see you see plenty of players bite on it and stuff like that. And it did have an effect. I remember mm. speaking to one of my teammates once. Said, "Don't don't get too affected by him or his ilk." You know, kind of. That's how it affects you, you know, red mist and it affects your decision making. Yes. Then you're going to go and kick him in, yeah. all of this type of thing. I said, is you know, he's, he's kind of winning, like trying to detach yourself a little bit from it. So, yeah, I found that easy to be honest, but uh, yeah, good characters. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rich, last story or two. So, uh, Munster, this has been talked about for months. They finally have uh, sealed the deal with Mr. Mike Prendergast. They yeah. He's been at their coaching ticket for next season and indeed the next three seasons. The former Munster scrum half will be a tack coach under new head coach Graham Rentry. Prendergast has forged a successful coaching career in France over the last decade, working most recently with Racing and also with Stade Francais, Oyana and Grenoble. Dennis Leamy is poised to join as defence coach from Leinster. And a row over an unsigned review into Ireland's performance at the Tokyo Olympics has led to the resignation of Bernard Dunn. The IABA's high performance director claimed last November that his position had been undermined by the SWOT analysis position paper, as it was called. Dunn's departure means he's the third high performance director to leave the IABA since Billy Walsh's departure in 2016. Uh, the the IABA have asked that Dunn uh, reverse his decision to resign, calling the paper in question malicious and an appalling attack on his character. So once unfortunate, twice careless, I'm not sure what losing a third high-performance director in six years is. I uh, found this story quite difficult to follow, Rich, over the last while from when it first broke. We'll do a piece on it, maybe, but this is, you know, dreadful. And the IABA are asking him to come back, so clearly they value him and want him back. They do, but 
but but what jumped out at me from that yeah. statement this evening was that this first came to light as they pointed out in the autumn of last year and Dunn had made his first complaint about it to the IABA in October and they said they had their initial hearing about it only at the end of last month so what like two weeks ago mm. this is six months in between where this has been floating around in the firmament and Dunn has been on extended leave like you would think that if they're going to get an initial hearing down it would, would have been before Christmas so I don't think their handling of it necessarily has been perhaps what it should have been and Dunn has probably felt like he has had no other opportunity uh, but to walk away from it all. Yeah, because I do remember back in November, the then Irish sports CEO, John Tracy, was before an Oireachtas committee and he just said, the IABA needs to just get the rack together. We can't mm. keep having stories coming out and resignations and talk of civil war. Not least when the sport is so successful in so many ways. So we'll do a piece on it, but it just seems to be one thing after another at the moment. Uh, we are out of time. Richie, thank you. Nice and lads. Cheers, Rich.